Hello! Welcome, Welcome to, to my first time. time. I'm Colleen Smith. I'm Mary Jo Smith. No, no relation. relation. With us as always is Ian Phone Smith. Coming at you. <laughs> related to me. Not related to me. Uh, Can you imagine if someday we somehow became related? Like, in some strange way, we somehow, like, fell in love. Oh, I'm already in... Never mind. Yeah, you're already in love. Right. But you have siblings. Your brother marries Colleen. My brother's already, already married. married. Well, that's... We're talking down the line. Oh, down the line, after yeah. he leaves his wife. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You like him. He's very handsome. But then I'd have to marry Ian Smith. Oh, that's so weird! <laughs> My brother's name is Ian Smith. That works. Relation. Saves money. Maybe our <laughs> older sister's kids will marry one of your... Nieces and nephews. Yes. Oh, and then I'll be able to say related to me. Yeah. I guess I could have just said one of our nieces. <laughs> anyway, welcome to my first what time. What do we call a sister's me where we trace the trees. Oh, we should well, find out if we're related. Or you Jillian Smith. You're probably related to each other. If I'm you're going to talk, you should introduce yourself. Oh, hey. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, well, uh, my name's Raymond Carr. Yay! <laughs> it's our guest, Raymond Carr. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank Raymond, you tell the folks a little bit about yourself so they can get a lay of the land before we get into storytelling. Meh. Uh, <laughs> so... My name's Raymond Carr. I am a puppeteer and filmmaker. Uh, Ray, your Raymond Carr sounds very much like a noir film actor, by the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I was born in a dark and stormy night. Uh, uh-huh. No, uh, I live in Atlanta, and I work in Atlanta, and I am also work in Los Angeles, California, and uh, in Los Feliz. Did I say it right? Yes. Los Feliz. Los Feliz. Los Feliz is like one of the most acceptable, um, poorly pronunciated, yeah, slurs it of It sounds all like time. you're trying too hard if you yeah. say Los Feliz. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't speak Spanish, otherwise I probably would have gotten it right. Yeah. That's it's how that works. Good. Anyway, uh, yeah, and I, I, I'm working with the Jim Henson Company, and uh, I worked uh, with Nick, uh, Nickelodeon. I don't know how much you want to know about me. That's funny. Okay. I want to know everything. Well, did you do <laughs> any zombie puppets on The Walking Dead in Atlanta? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't do any zombie puppets uh, on The Walking Dead, but I've done lots of other... Actually, I have done zombie puppets, just not on The Walking Dead, uh, and a lot of other random things. So. Awesome. I'm excited. I can't wait to hear what stories come out of you. So tonight's theme is a loose one. They're always loose. It's not loose. It's gossip. And lies. Or secrets. Secrets, Secrets, gossips. However you, like, somebody gossiped about you or you gossiped about someone or someone told a secret about you or whatever. Like, however you figure that out. rumors. You know. Rumor has it. Yeah. Um, So, uh, I don't really have one cohesive story, so I'm just, I have some thoughts. Do you have a lot of secrets? I don't. So that's the number first thing I would say. Thank you, Mary Jo, for reminding me. Is I'm not a very secretive person. Mm. I actually sort of make a point of not cultivating secrets or um, acting in a way that I wouldn't want somebody to know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I think I've said this on this podcast before, if I have something bad to say about somebody, I only say it in person. In terms of gossiping about You them. mean to the person? No, no, no. no. Oh. Uh, if, if caught, I will 100% admit to what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I am definitely the person that if I was saying something horrible about you behind your back and you say, did you say that? I won't be like, no. I'll say yes. Oh, you'll cop to it. I will 100% cop to it because yeah. I am aware when I am talking shit that I am talking shit. 
I might feel justified in it, um, and then therefore, why would I not? Well, admit any good it? gossiper feels justified in that yeah. gossip. Yeah. I think that's. But what I mean is that if I said like, "Oh, uh, you know, Tom's a jerk," and Tom said, "Hey, I heard you were calling me a jerk," I'd be like, "Well, yeah, you are." And uh, I guess <laughs> I didn't want to tell you because I don't want to deal with the consequences. Because but you're guess, a jerk. Yeah, because you're a jerk. But I guess I'll tell you now. If I'm saying something petty and spiteful behind someone's back and they hear about that, um, I am aware that I'm saying something petty and spiteful and I would say, I'm sorry, you're right, I'm an asshole, it was petty and spiteful. So I'm very honest about my gossiping and my talking shit. I do talk a lot of shit. (laughs) I get, I don't know if other people are less bothered by things than I am. Or they don't care as much, or they just don't talk about it. But there are—I think it's the last one. Yeah, there are so many things in my life that drive me nuts that everybody else seems to be just fine with, and I need to go tell someone that that person is annoying, (laughs) and I need to commiserate with this person that, like, you see it, right? Because they're just walking around being awful and no one's saying anything to them. But I wanted to think, I just sort of made a list of just stupid things I remember from life that are rumors or things I heard. One was um, a friend of mine was really mad at a girl in high school because she slept with her boyfriend. So she wrote on a chalkboard in like bold, um, JoLynn Stinton Left a tampon in for two weeks. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. <laughs> she just wrote it and just left it there. Oh, my God. In a classroom? Yeah. Ooh. So it was left, and it got it got back to the girl. It was there long enough that of it course. spread. Like, well, nobody apart. came in and, like, erased it? No, and I don't think the teacher noticed, and I was just like, what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I guess it's not a rumor. I guess it was true. <laughs> the teacher walks in and is like, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I guess that's right. She should. She probably has a pretty bad uh, toxic, toxic, toxic shock. <laughs> uh, another one was this girl, Monica, had made out with a tree. She got high on ecstasy and made out with a tree. You started that rumor? No, and it was told to me, and I subsequently told everyone. I barely knew this girl, but it was told to me. Um, was it true? Uh, I don't know. Because that could the, happen for, with ecstasy. Well, and now yeah. the world knows. Yeah, now <laughs> the world knows. They only know her first name. And I changed JoLynn's last name. Um, then uh, there was that our uh, our grade school principal, uh, Sister Giovanna, Sister mm. Giovanni, was Giovanna. used to be, Giovanna used to be a man. Was that a rumor? Mm-hmm. And only because she had, she was tall and she had really thick eyebrows. But that went around everywhere. She looked like Brian Dennehy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a horrible description. Brian of Dennehy and Amumu with just yeah. with like white, white, white hair and thick black and bushy she? eyebrows. She was the principal of our uh, uh, K through. She had Brian Principals. Dennehy's hair and Brian Dennehy's face and Brian Dennehy's build. <laughs> High and school voice. principals are always such <laughs> kind of crazily drawn characters. Yeah. yeah, she was our grade school principal. Oh, cool. she was a nun. Yeah. Um, but I also... A nun in a moomoo? That's how they yeah. move. It sounds like a kid's book. <laughs> I saw a nun in a moomoo. I saw a nun in a moomoo. I guess a habit is a moomoo. I digress. In they Hawaii, did not wear habits. No, in Hawaii, nuns wear moomoos. Or at least the, the ones... <laughs> wait, we go by, I grew up it's in Hawaii. Really um, so this also leads me to things that uh, came from my friend who was a liar. Mm-hmm. So my best, one of my best friends in high school was a liar. 
And he would tell incredible stories, like he won the Heisman Trophy in poetry, um, which is a sports trophy. Yeah, I was going to call BS on that, and then I realized I had known nothing about sports. So I, I was like, maybe that's a thing, I don't know. I know nothing about sports either, which is why I believed him. The Heisman I Trophy is a real trophy. Yeah. It's a, it's a man adults. running with a football. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if they give it out other than in the uh, professional sports I world. know or they do college. not. It's college. It? Okay. They 100% do not. My it's a participation The trophy. internet savvy and 1996 friend <laughs> went and looked it up. <laughs> to, tell, to, to confirm that he was lying. Okay. But most of his lines were like he'd hooked up with this guy that, you know, was super hot, but he was closeted gay. He kept lying about who he hooked up with. But he was smart because every once in a while, one of them would turn out to be true. So it was like two truths and a lie. Like you didn't know which one of these wasn't, so he kept you guessing. Like Russian roulette. Yeah, where you'd be like, well, that, of course you're lying, and then that thing would turn out to be true. And he would do things to kind of cut you down without you realizing it. Like he told me, which I realize is completely a lie, that this one girl thought I was a man and that I had had, I had transitioned in high school. Uh, and I was like, oh God, she thought that, you know, because I was tall and, you yeah. know, and very insecure about seeming <laughs> in any way masculine. And, um, and then I realized later he told me a fake rumor from somebody else to make me crazy. Why? Do you because know Because he was a liar, and he was wow. one of those people. Yeah, and it wasn't about you, it was about anybody, he just lies. Yeah, he just right. lies, mm. and, and I think he liked to stir the pot. There was I didn't realize that he was lying until a friend of mine pointed out the like twinkle he got in his eye. He's like, you'll see it. You'll see him like light up and see what havoc he... Mischief. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, ooh, <laughs> let's see how much we can mess with Colleen's self-esteem. Um, and then... Uh, Probably good for you. Uh, yeah, but the no, it's not. There's, I had no. You need a little beating to build up some oh, resilience. This is childhood, by the way. You're never, now you're never dating one of my nieces. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, well, if he dates one of your nieces, it would also be terrible. That'd be really creepy. Yeah. They're all under uh, eighteen now. But uh, no. So anyway, uh, and then the last thing I'll say this, this very disjointed story. I hope it feeds everyone else's stories. <laughs> is I was with our niece and nephews, your future uh, <laughs> nieces and nephews-in-law. Yeah, yeah, sure. Niece and nephews-in-law, um, and I was telling them the story about Mega Mouth, and they were like interested. And you know, you never children are never interested in stories of things. And I was like, there was this giant shark that's named Mega Mouth and has giant lips. They f Japanese fishermen dragged him out of the Mariana Trench and they discovered this shark. And they were all like, really? Oh, wow. Oh. And I started to look up pictures and they realized that a lot of my story was incorrect. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. And that I, it doesn't exist anymore? It's tr it's a real thing. Some pictures did say it had thick rubbery, or some descriptions said it. There is no Mega Mouth. There anymore. is a Mega Mouth shark. No. Yeah. There was a Mega Mouth. No, shark. they found. They found a few of them. Um, I've just Googled this. <laughs> um, it must be true. They, at some point, like, I think Chinese fishermen found them. There there was some mention of a Mariana Trench, but they... Where's the Mariana Trench? It's by Japan. It's the deepest place in oh, the world. Okay. Um, oh, okay. And then there was somebody who found them in Hawaii. And the, the shark is around. The thick lips thing. I saw one thing that said thick rubbery lips, but the pictures didn't look like I remembered it looking... Anyway, so as I was sitting there, I was like, I told them this thing as like absolute truth and then just like slowly picked apart my own story. So I wanted to, to talk about something which I thought might prompt a group response is 
rumors or, or lies that uh, people told of history that we keep telling. Oh. And one that I stopped telling a few years this ago. This is when, like revisionist history. Yes. Yes. That I stopped telling a few years ago was the that the Native Americans, when the boats came, they couldn't see the ships. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that? Oh, story? Yes, I've heard yeah. that story. So for those of you who haven't, technology was beyond their yes, comprehension. That there it's was a movie. <laughs> like that's like a line from a movie. That there was something about because they didn't know. Yes, because they didn't know what ships were. Which because is they so, had no word for it. Yeah, they couldn't it's so see stupid. it. Stupid. Like they, dogs can't see uh, TV. Yeah, of course they had. It was so incomprehensible. Had, <laughs> yeah, it was so incomprehensible. Of course they had ships or at least boats. They were fishing and doing and traveling to fucking Alaska. Um, but or from Alaska to Hawaii and whatever, that they couldn't see them, that they were so whatever. And I never took it as a, a mark of Native Americans' intelligence or culture was more that idea that there are things that if you have never been exposed to them, you can't, literally can't see them. And that's right. the only time I would say this story was, you know, there's an example. And yeah. when I found out that was a lie and it was a condescending gross uh, colonial colonizer lie I was very ashamed of myself mm. for spreading this basically fake news fake news or rumor <laughs> yeah. that somebody just said and then everybody spread well I mean that is you know there was an article recently that I shared on Facebook about um, fake news because they were talking about the fake news is already ramping up for this next election not to get political but just coming off of what you just said and I shared the article saying I think I said something about, like, maybe we should start calling out people that share fake news, not to shame them, but to make them aware of what they're doing, because I know, I am certain, I mean, I haven't dug through my social media timelines from 2016, but I am sure that I shared fake news, because I wasn't even aware that I had, at that point, that I had to cross-reference everything, that I had to double-check everything that was coming to me through social media. I wasn't aware that we were under Russian control. Um, so <laughs> at this point, I now, I'm, now I know, too, before I share something, what's the source, and what's the date of this article, and like there's all those things that I've been educated to do, but yeah, it's very easy to fall victim to that stuff. Um, I don't know what my point was. What was my point? <laughs> but, uh, to yeah. sharing something on the internet, yeah. and it wasn't true. Well, but yeah, that being called out of like, oh, that's not true. You helped to spread something that. I'd like real. to point out two fact corrections here. Oh, no. <laughs> it's One, getting political. the Hawaiians <clears throat> did not travel from Alaska. They traveled from Hawaii to Alaska. Yeah, on outrigger canoes. No. Yes. Outrigger No. Canoes. They actually traveled on giant sharks <laughs> with big mouths. And they, they went inside the shark's mouth. They mouths. literally redid the voyage, this and I got on going. one of the outrigger canoes when I was in high school. And did and you go to Alaska? I didn't go to Just Alaska, like but the I... Just Hawaiians. They did go to Alaska. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We're getting off track. We're going to take that out. What's your other point? We are not under Russian control. Oh, all right. <laughs> Feel free to edit that out too. Um, so, all right, where were we? So, so, yes, Raymond, do you have? Yeah. One? Uh, well, going to what you were talking about, as far as like revisionist history, I live in Atlanta, and Atlanta is a very progressive city, and uh, a good part of Georgia is too. But like uh, in the South, it's still like this weird thing about the Civil War, right? And like I remember moving there twenty years ago and looking around and being like. You guys know you lost the war, right? <laughs> and you were the bad guys. And yeah. that didn't really like sink in. And so you have these conversations about, well, the war was really about states' rights. It's about yeah. states' rights. It was about states' rights. States' rights to own black people. Right. Uh, I know I don't sound like it, but I am African-American. Uh, 
And so, like, that idea, and then I, like, I, I know that. I fucking know that, right? And then, but you keep having the conversation, like, plenty of, like, good, progressive, like, white friends that are just, who are like, yeah. If you were to take a survey in a room full of white people in a bar in Atlanta and be like, what was the Civil War about? Everybody would be like, it's, I'm, you know, you would have this kind of hemming and hawing and being, not necessarily being like, slavery, it was about slavery, slavery, it was about slavery. Um, and so, but part of that is just that you don't want to think about your ancestors or your grandparents or, or, you know, it's still relatively recently, the whole process is like, you don't want to think of them as monsters. So you kind of be like, well, it wasn't quite like that, gone with the wind, you know, it was cute. <laughs> um, everybody was making dresses out of curtains. Uh, no, so it was, uh, so that kind of thing. And then I started like, I know this. And then I recently finally watched the Ken Burns documentary, uh, and everybody should about the Civil War, uh, and it was like, oh fucking course, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's just uh, yes, it was about slavery, guys. Yeah, isn't there some like uh, motive of the North of Lincoln where he utilized slavery as a uh, political tool? As a political. Oh yeah, tool. no. To be clear, where it it's wasn't a hundred percent about yeah, slavery. Yeah. Well, like no, he, it's it was about. This is the thing. The, the reason why they gets into this money thing is because it's not that the North was like this altruistic, oh, yeah. like right. pure, like uh, way of thinking about it. Like there was a lot of fucking politics, and like Lincoln didn't want to necessarily make it all about slavery because he wanted to still have the South in its good graces, and he didn't want it before the war. He didn't want it to like turn into this thing where it was going to galvanize all of the South if he said, we're going to war because of slavery. He wanted to make it about keeping the South in the Union, but the South was literally saying it's about slavery. If you read the documents of Jefferson Davis and all these sorts of people in the, in the war, it was like, this, we are going to war because we fundamentally believe that the black man is uh, subhuman uh, to the the white men. Like, it's, it's in their Declaration of Independence, essentially. So it's not necessarily like they didn't, the North didn't necessarily go to war because of slavery, but the South was fighting because of slavery. Yeah, the South yeah. 100% went to war because <laughs> yeah. of slavery. They were 100% bad guys, the North just wasn't 100% good guys. Exactly. That's a, that, you could say that, sure. Um, but, yeah, so that's one of those revisionist history things. That's weird. Yeah, um, yeah. What? A revisionist history thing you want to? No. All right. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> All right, Raymond. Uh, so, rumors and secrets. One of the secrets that I actively keep, um, it's less of a secret and more of the thing that you don't bring out on the first date, was that uh, I am a puppeteer, <laughs> but uh, that is one. <laughs> you keep that a secret? Uh, I, I don't necessarily. I keep it in a certain uh, company. I, I don't always, like, broadcast it. Okay. My girlfriend is really likes to tell everybody because she thinks it's uh, funny how uncomfortable I get in certain situations of normal uh, 30-something adults. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been a puppeteer since I was about 12. But the secret is that the reason I became a puppeteer is because I was homeschooled by church clowns. Uh, <laughs> which is... Me too. Really? Yeah, sort oh. of. We'll get there. Oh, wow, look at 
that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're being serious now. But, you know, my, my parents were actual clowns. Uh, and uh, Mr. Bigfoot and Holy the Clown. Wow. Uh, yeah, no. It was, who was who? Mr. Bigfoot. Uh, Mr. Bigfoot was my father, and he was a hobo clown, and he had, like, big plastic shoes. And he didn't have much makeup on, but he had, like, you know, uh, he looked, had, like, ready colorful clothes and everything, and he did uh, magic tricks. My mother was a white-faced clown, uh, Holy the Clown, which is a parody on... H-O-L-Y? Holy, that's in Mm -hmm. the Bible. Um, And it was a parody on Homie the Clown Uh from In Living Color, Uh which we were not allowed to watch. Really? Uh, Yeah. How did she know about it? (laughs) Because she was an adult. uh, (laughs) So she had a a mom. Wait, how old are you? Uh, They started probably when I was like... How old are you now? Oh, uh, 38. So that that it tracks. Yeah. yeah. Totally <laughs> Your tracks. parents watched it, but you didn't watch it. I mean they it was in the, the they weren't allowed to they, watch we it. weren't allowed to watch it, but like they knew it existed. Um I think we watched like a couple of episodes and my they got to the fly girls and my dad was you, like, We're not allowed to watch this. Questioning our guests. <laughs> I was just trying to sync that up like <laughs> like like your parents were of our generation. No. No, okay. they were older. Yeah. My parents okay. are in their uh mid to late sixties. Okay. So yeah, you're right. Uh, so, uh, uh, and my mother, yeah, she was a, a white face clown and had like a dyed, a pink dyed, uh, mop for a, a wig that she was doing. Um, That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so we were very conservative and as a conservative growing up, you obviously have a lot of, um, sexual guilt mm. and, and pressure going on and in that. So, um, which is kind of leading into my story. Uh, so we grew up in Southern California and like Rialto, which is Kind of like, you know, kind of back then it was like all orange groves and just like Orange County, like uh, farmland, essentially, Um, and suburban still kind of more trailer park than anything else. Uh, And so on the the end of our street, it was mostly white people that we lived around uh, because my parents grew up in like Watts and Compton and they decided that when they got married, they wanted to move out into the burbs and give us a weird life uh my brain went that better life no weirder life uh and so we had this kid uh at the end of the street named levi and we called him i remember i just had this memory we called him levi the peevi uh and he was like the poorest of the kids and he, he was kind of like kenny from south park um and there was like a couple of other kids but levi would always get us in trouble with shit we weren't allowed to hang out with him at certain times in our childhood um, but our neighbors had the coolest thing in the backyard. They had this subterranean clubhouse that we basically like dug out throughout the backyard and put like uh, uh, plywood on top of and then put oh, dirt on top Oh, you mean you made of. this yeah. up? Yeah, we like dug into this, like it was like a, I mean, it seemed huge back then, but it was basically like a trench essentially um but it was enough to like get in there and like hide shit in there put your lunchbox in there with secret stuff and like uh candy or whatever the hell um and i have an older brother who's two years older and like it was his friends like i didn't really have many kids that were my age but i would tag along because i was just a pain in the ass um and so for me I was always the one who couldn't keep a secret Mm. never could keep a secret uh to like it got bad, like, to the point in my early 20s where, like, I just had to keep my fucking mouth shut. I had definitely learned my lesson as I grew up, but, like, it was not a good idea to tell me anything. And I was also, like, hyper uh, uh, religious and, like, everything has to be right. And, like, I was the one that would tattle. I would tattle all the time on people. And I, and I would always, 
boggle my mind because I had such a moral conscious and yet I had adults telling me, well, I would tell on another kid and the adult would be like, well, that's tattling. You shouldn't tell. I was like, what are you fucking talking about? You want me to do the right thing? You want me to like, but I can't tell other when other people are doing bad. It did, just made me so mad. Um, so they finally, I remember we finally finished this thing. It, it expand, I don't think we actually finished it, but it expanded so much to where we could get multiple kids in this subterraneous like clubhouse. Um, and again, I was the younger one, so my brother would go over there quite a bit, and uh, I finally had the opportunity to go there too. And uh, we, were get, we crawled in, and it was like you have to like go through a small opening, and then you kind of got into the middle of it, and you, you had enough just to like kind of sit with your legs up against your chest, but it was still enough to fit like four or five boys. Only boys, mind you, because... <laughs> girls are Yeah, girls are girls. Girls. Um, And actually, my, my mother always told me that I never thought girls were gross. I always thought girls were cool. I was like <laughs> super into girls. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but at the time, they... So yeah, we burled in there and like hanging out, whatever. I'm very excited about hanging out with older boys and then one of them pulls out a dirty magazine. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. And in my mind, it's it was probably like a Sears catalog or something. Because um, I don't know how we would have gotten access to anything. I used to love the J.C. Penney. Yeah, you know what's up. You know oh what's up. <laughs> you don't even know what Yeah. Like. <laughs> Your you voice have, got really sexy when you said that. You have, like, sidebar, it was very hard to find pornography up until, like, 25 years ago pre-internet like you had to work for it yeah. to see boobs like it was gonna be a jaunt and then like we had dialogue dial dial up and if you wanted to see surf the internet to look like at pornography you had to like do it in a room where it wasn't gonna make that and make everybody up and you had to work for it so uh <laughs> uh I, so I'm in I'm in the little cave and like heart's pounding and I'm so nervous and like of course I want to see boobs but at the same time like everything Jesus taught me is going off in my head and this is so terrible and it's like I in my this I'm sure this isn't exactly how it goes but in my head like everybody's passing the magazine and it's like getting closer to me as it goes <laughs> to different boys <laughs> and I finally it gets to me and I remember looking at it and. I don't know if I left immediately or if I, like, hung out to be cool a little bit, but I definitely, like, left soon after that. And I basically ran home next door, and I told my mom. <gasps> yeah. I outed the boys. No. Yeah, yeah. It was rough. Rough times. Uh, I narked on them. <laughs> and by the time... I remember I left early because but my I don't know how long it was, but my brother eventually came back. And uh, she was waiting for him, knowing the dirty secret that he saw boobs. Uh, <laughs> you saw boobs. <laughs> you saw boobs. Uh, and we had to, of course, wait till our father got home from uh, from work. And this was we we grew up in a spanking family, so we I was anticipating a spanking or, or some sort of punishment. Although I was a little old for spanking at this point. How I old think. are you? I think I'm about. 11 mm -hmm. no no older than 12 so may, yeah actually maybe like 10 11 because my brother wasn't like a teenager yet um so uh my, my father came back and i'm like expecting like this big terrible like he's gonna blow up and like my dad's 
He's not an angry man, but he definitely had like a temper if you pushed him hey, too it's far. it's Mr. Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to see a clown like lose his shit on some kids. Because this happened. Like there's been like big. And I grew up in mega churches. So the church I grew up in had 15,000 members in it. Whoa. Yeah. Like big ass churches. Uh, Stadiums. Yeah. Seriously. Um, Lots of gossips and secrets in there. Yeah. That's. Um, so, but I remember my dad like was not mad like my mom told him and then they had a conversation and then like my dad wasn't mad and he was like let me let me talk to you guys and then took my brother and he got into his blue pickup truck uh toyota pickup truck and just like took him away and started driving i was like oh what the fuck's going on and we're just like waiting and waiting and waiting and then like after a little while came back and picked me up and i'm like just it's so like tense about the whole thing and my dad is just like driving making small talk and it was like okay what the fuck is going on here <laughs> and then like as we were we drove around the block or around quite a, a ways and like talking about nothing and as we got closer to my house he started to have the sex talk birds on the yeah <laughs> it's like oh this is what this is and i didn't know enough about sex to really understand it but i knew what the sex talk was and i realized the gravity of the awkwardness that this was about to happen and so like we end up just like pulling into the driveway and him sitting down and giving me the sex talk and me being like and then also in the context of shame which is that you know and the moral of the story is you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, sex is a it. sin is the biggest lie. Yes, exactly. Or not so, the biggest lie. And biggest also lie. masturbation. Yeah. So it was also sex and masturbation. You're Did not... he full clown make that? <laughs> <laughs> Did he <laughs> say that, though, that masturbation oh, yeah, was no, a sin? Oh, yeah, no, masturbation was definitely a sin in my wow. house. Yes, growing up, all throughout. Um, like, there would be times when, like, as we were older, I was really struggling. I'm using the quote-unquote marks. With it, uh, he would just come in at night and be like, hey, guys, before you go to bed, I'm just trying to see how you guys are doing. You doing okay? You doing okay with that? You oh, no. Me? And I knew that was code. Like, are you masturbating? And when he would come in and be like, are you okay? And every now and again, I would just be like, please don't let him come in. Please don't let him come in. And he would say that, and I'd be like, yeah, I did. I did. I had a nocturnal emission or something like oh, that. Did you and your brother share a room? Yes. Oh. Uh, this is even worse. Uh and so, at the end of the conversation in the truck, like, he's, he's like, you know, whatever. And I was like, okay, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, we prayed, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then, finally, and he was like, okay, you have any questions? No. Well, let me explain some other stuff to you. And he started talking about, like, gay sex, butt sex, essentially, and, like, and oral sex, and, like, really detailed stuff about homosexuality and all this kind of stuff, and how, you know... And and I'm like, why are you telling me this now? You just went like it was the it was over, and then I had to learn about a whole new form of sex, and I was like, I don't need to know all of this at the same time. And he was telling you not to have this. Yes, or it was just like, and there's other kinds. Yeah, it was more so like it was <laughs> a like, But sex is also heterosexual sex. No, he didn't go. I don't oh. think that crossed his mind oh, okay. in that sort of way. Yes, right. Yeah, no, he just was talking about. It, it was one of those things where, oh yeah, you can also stick your penis into an anus, and that's another and thing. Don't too. do that. Yeah. Just in, just in case, I want to cover all my ground. Did it turn out that your dad was gay? <laughs> Not to my knowledge, but we'll, we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> but it was definitely this moment. I was like, I got through this, and it was like, oh, by the way, here's some more awkwardness. <laughs> and now you've got all that in your poor eleven-year-old brain. I don't even 
Yeah, it's it was uh, hard times. Uh, <laughs> there's got to be a better system. I really, I think you kind of just trickle it in throughout the the child rearing process and being like, hey, sex is a thing. That's yeah, well, when we get to my story, you'll, right. we'll I don't. I, the, I, yeah, <laughs> we'll get there. Instead of just vomiting on your children, <laughs> and sheltering them for their entire lives, making them very ashamed of their bodies, shot, uh, hiding any form of a naked a female form, and then exploding onto them, <laughs> the reality. There's some, There's a balance. There's a middle ground. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> my Birds and the Bees talk with my dad was, sex can be a beautiful thing between two people who love each other. <laughs> that was it. That's what I got from dad. <laughs> I, I got, yeah, just... Uh, yeah, no. I, he's, yeah, he was just basically like... You can have sex with various people, but it's it's best with the people you love. That was his talk. No, we had like purity rings and the whole thing. Uh, we didn't get those. But we were very sexually repressed as a family. But not like, like, we didn't talk about it. I don't know. If that, it came on the TV, it was very uncomfortable. I don't know that that was mom and dad's fault. I think Catholic Catholic school did that because. We got, we had, we were one of those Catholic schools where you got sex education, so we mm. learned, and my, our mom was a nurse, so. They told you what an ovary was, but they didn't talk to you about Well, mom sex. explained a lot of stuff, and we watched, we watched a lot of sexually inappropriate stuff at a very young age. <laughs> I think we are messed up sexually because of watching inappropriate things too young. I mean, I remember seeing like uh, Witches of Eastwick when I was like seven. That's a very I saw Rosemary's Baby around the same age. Yeah, it's a very sexual thing to see. I don't think mom and dad were responsible. Which I got them East dancing Bay. naked in the rain. You're right. One which time. Is, is very sexual. <laughs> Your parents? Yeah, that's beautiful. That's not sexual. Dancing in the rain naked? Why is that sexual? Well, your parents naked. Yeah, I mean. I, oh, I see. Right. I mean, well, they had according a ton to of porn. Yeah, Dad had, Dad had like uh, <laughs> Playboys and yeah, like penthouse variations. That was my case. I love that. That's amazing. He had a briefcase of it. I discovered it. <laughs> I don't think. See, that's were. where. Yeah, you're the you're the kid that we should have been before. hanging out with because we didn't have yeah, any yeah. of that. We had classic uh, like Playboys and newer stuff. Um, I want to ask you a question because, or the group, Please. this too is, what is the deal with that tattletale thing? Because oh. it's always like parents. It, I mean, I just climbing remember, the ladder. But I remember that in um, the Brady Bunch, right? It was always like, "Don't be a tattletale." But they're yeah. It's to me, it's a little bit of that why we're all messed up about like standing up for other people is you're told not to do anything, but also like be cool. Don't don't rat people out when they do bad stuff. It's like no, you should. It's a weird mixed message that kids get. I think. Well, you got to be socially balanced with your friends and your peers. But you want to be responsible as a human being. But if you're 11 years old, you're 12 years old, you don't know what the fuck is going on. I think it also has to be like, you just don't want to be a, a whiny little shit. Like, when yeah. you're an adult <laughs> and you have all these kids, it's like, he touched me, he hit me, he like pulled my hand. Like, yeah, that's, that's the tattle. Yeah, thing. that's the tattle. Okay, thing. that it's makes like, more sense. I, I but there think. also is maybe the message is, is being given to the wrong person, it's the wrong <clears> message, which is like, own up to your shit, the person who. You shouldn't have to tattle on people if they would just own up to their shit. Yeah. Like you owning up to your gossip. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have to tell on you. But as a tattletale, there's that thing like as an adult, you would look at a kid who's tattletaling and be like, that's not your problem. 
But it's, it's, it has everything to do with the, the gravity of the situation. Yeah. It's like if you, you, you know, that guy just beat the shit out of that other guy. I'm like, don't be a title. Like, yeah, it's like, different. Yeah, of course. And That's so, an like, eyewitness. <laughs> <laughs> That's accessory, like, accessory after the fact. Yeah, no, I mean, as opposed to, like, you know, he, you know, poked me and that kind of thing. It's like, I think it's more of, I say this having no children and having no concept of what you should do, but the idea of teaching a child the gravity of certain things versus you just wanting to talk and like getting attention. But maybe we need to define the word tattletale yeah, for children. Absolutely. It sounds like responsible tattletaling is good. Yeah. Irresponsible. But maybe it is tattletaling is literally just bullshit telling. And whining. Yeah. It's just whining. It's telling stories out of school or whatever versus like being a rat. Or being a rat. <laughs> <laughs> But that idea, so that, like, you know, as an adult, when you see someone being, like, a creep or being a whatever, instead of that, like, that we all have, which is, like, let's just let it go, because I don't want to, I don't want to be the person that gets them in trouble. Like, we should be the people who go, like, that person's being a creep. Stop. But then there's that residual tattletale shame. Well, it depends on what the person's actions you're telling on are doing. In the case of your brother getting off on magazines, (laughs) it's not hurting anybody else. Right. So Except that's his immortal right. soul. But in a, <laughs> like, that's... Like, I mean, he really he, thought he was helping him. Like, I'm not... I mean, I mean, I know what you're saying, obviously. Yeah. But, like, in that moment, yeah, like, this is a fucking life or death situation. He's about to go down the path of sexual deviancy. Yeah. He's going to have to deal with Hades. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! Yeah! All right, Ian. All right. So this is a story of when I worked at Birds in Hollywood, which is a chicken restaurant that was cool at one point. It's not cool anymore. Sorry, You know when hipsters started in the, like, early, mid-2000s? The aughts. When that when that movie uh, Swingers came out, yeah, mm-hmm. and it was like, hey, we got twenties and we got beards and mustaches, but we're you know we're a new thing. Yeah, that was where part of it was filmed was in that neighborhood and okay. that restaurant. Yeah. It was kind of new-ish at that point. It was a local neighborhood in a place in the where Dresden, you... right down the street, ish. Mm, different, because it was like Beechwood, Bronson area. No, I know, but the Dresden was in Swingers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It really totally derailed, derailed it. I but it was a local neighborhood bar. Yes. There were a handful of bars right on. It's called Franklin Village now. I don't mm-hmm. even know if it was called that then. Uh, I got a job there as a delivery guy, and I was there for about four or five years. And uh, the one of the main cooks was this guy Aaron. We were good friends. We did cocaine once or twice together. We <laughs> hung out. And told me stories of Kansas City. I told, I told him stories of Hawaii. I worked there till about 2005, I think. I left years later. Uh, this is Facebook. The internet has exploded. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, I, I need to go back. I'm sorry. It's all right. Every summer, Mary, who was the boss, who was the lady who ran the place, who was an awesome boss, her sister, Melissa, would come out. Melissa was a southern school teacher from the south of Florida. Who looked the part, leathery, dyed red, <laughs> short hair, wrinkles in her lips. You know that Smoking. like purse mouth, yeah. like mm-hmm. I'm stern kind of mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> glasses, the whole deal. No fun. Apparently she's a pothead, but you you wouldn't guess it. 
But Melissa would come out for the summer, and she would sort of semi-manage for the summer. And she was a stiff. A place that went from being like a cool, loose, artistic family went to being, you gotta do this, you gotta do that, this is how we run restaurants and blah, 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 even though I'm not, you know, I'm a school teacher from the South. Uh, <laughs> part of the reason why I left the birds was Melissa. She came out full time and I was like, I'm done. I'm moving on. Fast forward to, say, 2011, 2012, 13, somewhere around there. Aaron, who's the cook, mm-hmm. still at birds, is posting on Facebook that he's leaving birds. There's something going on, blah, blah, blah. Melissa has come out there full time and been there full time for years. And my first reaction was, Melissa set you up. And I typed this on Facebook to, as a start, joke. to start a rumor as a joke, uh-huh. like, because it was the most obvious thing that, you know, they weren't hitting it off, whatever. This woman who just is a stick in the ass, basically, <laughs> is, is screwing him over. It's so ridiculous. So he messages me like six hours later and it's like, you motherfucker. <laughs> Like a private message, right? And right. at the same time, she's responding on Facebook. I didn't realize she was on Facebook. But she starts defending herself in this thread where Aaron is like, I'm leaving birds. You know, I've been here for 20 years or whatever. And was it sort of a, was the post sort of resentful? Like, I'm leaving. Like, did it imply that, like, I'm leaving not he was on my bitter. own choice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was totally. Yeah. Like, like, fuck these people. Okay, yeah. I'm leaving. I'm being forced out. Got it. And I was like, it's <clears throat> Melissa. She's out to get you. <laughs> I think that's what I said. And, uh, and inadvertently. It turned out it was true. <laughs> <laughs> so he starts telling me, the, the, he's like, you motherfucker, you, you fucked this whole thing up. Like, I was trying to soothe it over, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it turns out that she was trying to get her boyfriend in there to take his job. And I don't, I don't know who that was or, or anything, but uh, she was trying to get him fired without him being able to collect unemployment or do any kind of uh, workers' wow. comp kind of deal. And by my doing this, it complicated matters. She had to retract the firing, basically, from the, from the whole situation, like, because it, it sort of came out that Melissa was setting Aaron up to fire him so she could bring her boyfriend in. Yeah. Did other he, people chime in into this thread? I think there was a couple of ha-has or whatever. But, okay. Uh, a lot of likes. But he kept his job for another couple of years. <laughs> and ultimately, he was like, you actually saved my job. And, and when I left, it was on good terms. But, uh, wow. I was banned from birds for many years. A place that was like my home... For a long time, and uh, she's not there anymore. Uh, Did he outlast her? I don't think so. Uh, I think he finally left and he moved back to KC or something like that. But that was hilarious. Why? Because she didn't. She and I did not get along. <laughs> and I was so I was I was laughing. It was a drunk post, you know, yeah. where I was just like, "Fuck her," but it, it was true. How did that, like, it's not a court of law. Like, how did that make her hire him back? With, I uh, he like, wasn't quite fired yet. It was like he was getting pushed out and he would have to leave. And it, something came up about it where people started talking about it. and At work. At work. And he would have had, like, a, a contingency, I guess it was, is the word, to sue them for, for work. Uh, not work. Wrongful. Unemployment. Oh, okay. Yeah, would have been, and they didn't want to pay it, and so she. What a strange thing to not want to pay unemployment. 
And isn't unemployment... It's an insurance, I guess, you pay. Yeah, or a wrongful termination? Maybe or, that's what it yeah, is. They could yeah. have sued them for... Yeah. And they had already had multiple uh, workers' comp claims against them. I think their workers' comp was, like, through the roof. Like, Claudine sued for back pain after being a, a, a waiter for 10 years or something like that. <laughs> Is retired on her workers' comp claim from being oh, a waiter. Wow, that kind of deal. And yeah. like David slipped in the kitchen and is now like you know living at large in Mexico or something. <laughs> <laughs> this is a series of millionaires <laughs> that came out of this. <laughs> it was the heyday of frivolous slipping falls. Yeah, but she's out. Of, Melissa's out of the picture. I went to the 25th year reunion of mm. Birds, and it was good. Uh, is her sister still there? Mary. Yeah. Mary is retired as well, and she's living in Florida, but she came back for the 25th. They both, but Mary owns it, doesn't she? Mary and her ex-ish husband, Henry, own it. Yeah, but it's her bar. Yeah. Henry comes in and flaunts his mustache and his dyed hair and... (laughs) Florence's you're not gonna mustache. if they hear this podcast. You're <laughs> yeah, not you're gonna, gonna get, be invited back. Get banned That's right. again. <laughs> That's all right. Florence's mustache. I love <laughs> uh, restaurant rumors. They're always the strangest things. They're almost always true, though. Yeah, because everyone's just always like tired and like drunk, and there's always a, <laughs> there's always a pervy manager. There's always like something. Someone's always stealing. Like always, there's a manager stealing. Hardcore. So they don't get paid enough. No. And there's usually like some sort of drug ring happening in the kitchen. <laughs> Somebody's having sex with somebody. Yeah. There's always something. Yay! Yay! It's always something. It's always something. Okay. So my turn. Um, for First of all, uh, just a couple things. Of just um, Going back to what you were talking about, about sexuality is a sin and like a seek, like, you know, you were yeah. sort of raised that that was not okay. I was raised very, quite the opposite. Sexuality right. was, was not a big deal. And we <clears> read <throat> books like, where did I come from when we were little? And the joy of sex was in the living room on the bookshelf. And I grew up around, uh, in a very, um, liberal hippie environment. And there was a lot of free love and a lot of nudity. And it was, it was not a mystery. It was not a secret and it was not a sin. And, um, and yet, somehow, um, well, I shouldn't say somehow, there's lots of things that led to this, and many of <laughs> which I've talked about on this podcast. And yet, um, I have a lot of shame around sex, and um, uh, oh, I don't want to talk about this. Um, no, no, it's okay, I'm going to do it. Um, uh, so, I have... I have this... Um, okay, so, why my... my I'm <laughs> Do you want us to not look at you? No, it's quite no, probably not, but it's fine. Everybody close their eyes. No, no, don't. I'm just kidding. Then that would be silly. Um, so like I think I've told this story before. Like my my mother was very open about sexuality. Like you could hear my parents having sex from their bedroom at night. Like every, we knew what that was. It was not a big deal. Um, my mother encouraged sexual exploration of our bodies. Uh, you know, like masturbation was something that was like it's your birthright to masturbate. That was like, not that it was ever said to us that way, but that was sort of what was implied. Like, this is your body. You can explore your body and that's okay. And pleasure can be found in your body and there are appropriate places to do that. And, you know, if you were found, like, you ever seen like a kid, like have their hands down their pants or whatever in a public place. My mother would say, listen, what you're doing is fine, but you have to go in your room to do that. That's a private thing that you don't do that at the grocery store or whatever it was. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
And uh, which, you know, I think that's a really, actually, I think that's a great mothering thing. Like she was very much trying not to shame or, you know, freak us out about exploring our bodies, but to sort of say, those are things that you don't do in public. And you do those, you know, in private or with people that you care about or love as we got older or whatever. I don't know. I don't remember exactly what was said to me, but I know it was like, it was not a big deal. And there was no shame about it. And there was no um, judgment about it. And then... uh, one Christmas, I think the Christmas that I was probably like 12 um, and my sister was 10 or maybe 11 and 13, um, in our Christmas stockings, we got vibrators. Um, the big, the big, Wait, I was probably like, it was probably like, oh, like 12 or 13. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a lot weird. It's a lot of weird. It's a lot of weird. This is not even the it's part. Horrible, I, this is not even the part I'm uncomfortable hey, my talking about. Parents were clowns. It's cool. Well, listen, <laughs> believe me, and I, mean, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast, but the, that year for Christmas, my sister and I were given um, uh, vibrators in our stockings, Christmas stockings, and they were the big, um, you know, the wands with the big bulb on the head that in ma- front of everybody. Right. This is where I'm going with this. Are those like, massagers? Sure, Colleen. <laughs> Are you just learning something? He's right? had been very sexually repressed. Like, I did not get it's for your personal massagers. massagers. They are personal massagers. massagers. Yeah. <laughs> so do with them what you will. They're that's, massagers. That's a very naive. Are you supposed to put a bag of peas on your face when you get a, a black eye? This is a terrible metaphor. Anyway, yes, they're massagers for your clitoris. Um, they massage your clitoris very well. <laughs> Um, or your neck cavity, maybe it just fits. Sure, in. anywhere. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so in front of everybody on Christmas Day, we opened these and we were mortified. How many people were there? Like who in uh, the room? Yeah, oh, like, like grandparents. 20, Twenty-five. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is like full family living in a community. So oh. many families under one roof. Okay. Very hippie. Very okay. yeah. It just gets worse and worse. It gets worse. <laughs> um, so that. That vibrator was in my life for a long time. Um, is that your longest relationship? Probably, yeah. Um, and I, I, but I was really ashamed of um, how much I liked that vibrator and how much I used that vibrator and um, the things that I would fantasize about when I used that vibrator. And I, I remember being like, I think around the time I was 14, I somehow... Like, that's the other thing about living in um, community is, like, everybody's living under one roof, so everybody brings their stuff into the house, right? So your parent, not that my mother was paying any attention to anything that was being brought to the house, but, like, you know, somebody came to live at the house and they brought their library of books with them. Um, They might not be books that my mother would leave around for her children to find, but they would leave them around for her children to find. So, like, I discovered Anais Nin, um, who is a... She's an author, and she wrote a lot of adult erotica um, many, many decades ago. And it was very poetic and very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of, um, I just never read anything like it. It was very flowery in the way it was written. And I was really like, oh, what is this kind of literature? I didn't know the word literature. I don't think, but what is this book? And I would read these stories of like passion and sex and the way that she described sexual parts of the male and female bodies. And I was like, what is this? And somehow I thought, even though it was never taught to me that any of this was wrong, I had a lot of shame and embarrassment around it. And I just sort of always felt like I was doing something wrong. And so it's always sort of been sort of a mystery to me as to why when I was not raised, like you were saying, you were very clearly told sex is a sin, masturbation is off limits, we don't do those things, 
uh, we don't talk about those things, whatever it was. I didn't have any of that messaging, and I still had a ton of shame hmm. about sex, and I thought... And also, like today's kids, today's kids um, are you know they're they're being educated about sex in the worst ways by watching porn. They think that that porn is actually sex, and which it's just not. I didn't have. I mean, although I had seen some porn uh, when I was younger, but I didn't. It wasn't exposed to it in the way that you know the internet exposes um, porn to people today. Um, but. Uh, I thought that uh, I didn't know how to be sexual. Like I just, I didn't know what was what was the right thing to do, and I I thought that there was a way I was supposed to perform or behave sexually, and I, um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm talking about this. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, and I think, and I had two personas uh, <clears throat> sexually. Like I I had um, the persona the 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 person that I wanted you to think that I was sexually, that I was comfortable being sexual and that I was um, powerful in my sexuality and that I was confident in my sexuality, whatever that meant, and that I knew what I was doing in bed and I knew what I liked and that I could tell you what I liked. And like, cause I had read all this stuff. Right. Yeah. So like that had sort of been, I educated myself, not just with the nice name, but like lots of different books. And I was, I really sought it out and I had a real, um, fascination and curiosity with like trying to understand sexuality. And, um, I think that I, and then, and I, and I would, and I would explore sexually. Um, but I was always just, um, terrified and, um, ashamed and embarrassed about, the things that I would do or the things that I even think about would, would even think about doing. Um, and then I would, but I would masturbate with this, um, vibrator and those vibrators, um, or personal massagers <laughs> are not the most subtle of instruments in any way. The they're right, they're the size yeah. of a forearm and a fist. Yeah. And they're, yeah, but I really yeah. wasn't like conscious of how loud it was. And I would have different roommates throughout the years as I got older and like into my um, late teens and early 20s. And I remember one time, um, not that long ago, um, somebody who I was, I ran into somebody who had been my roommate in my early 20s. And we were at a party and we were talking about it and he said something like, and I could hear that vibrator going through the wall. And I was like, oh my <laughs> oh fucking no. God. Like, that was the most, one of the most embarrassing moments of my life when he said that. And I was like, holy shit. Like I thought that my masturbation was the biggest secret on the planet. I didn't think anybody <laughs> knew that I masturbated in the, the, with the, the, the personal massager or any of that. Like I was horrified. Um, and uh, and I, the other secret that's about this is that I often fear that no one else feels that way. Like I have this. What ashamed of their masturbation? Well, no. Let me. No, I mean I know lots of people feel ashamed of their masturbation, <laughs> but like, um, I just would like that even that I've even been talking about this that like that somehow that people will think I'm a pervert and that. That um, or super fucked up in some way, and I am super fucked up, but not like not because of masturbation. Um, and it, it's when, and when I got into recovery and I stopped doing hardcore drugs and I stopped getting drunk on the regular, um, I got less and less sexual. That's actually probably not the right way to say it. I got more and more 
connected to the fact that I'm not comfortable being sexual. And so sex sober for me is one of the most uncomfortable things for me. And that's a secret that I keep. Like, it's just not, I'm not comfortable having sex, period. But having sex drunk or fucked up is a hell of a lot easier than having sex sober. I think that's not... I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, I've spent enough time in 12-step rooms to know that lots of people feel that way. Um, and it goes beyond just like, um, it goes beyond just sort of like letting down your, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Boundaries. Yeah, boundaries are like, um, um, I don't know. Inhibitions. Inhibitions. Like it's, it's beyond letting down your inhibitions, <clears throat> which, you know, yeah, you get drunk, you let down your inhibitions. Maybe you'll have a cigarette. Maybe you'll go to, eat jack-in-the-box tacos or maybe you'll sleep with somebody that you don't really know yeah. like all of those things are possible when you're fucked up but it was more than that it was like it was a different person and I was I, I was able to express myself as a sexual person um, when I was fucked up in a way that I have never been able to do um, sober and so what does that mean like what's the real part of me you know like is there really um, a um, confident, powerful, sexualized person inside of me that sober I can't handle or mm -hmm. can't manage or I'm afraid of. You know, like... It's it is the segregation of the intellectual and the physical, which the intellectual doesn't want to acknowledge the animal physical drives and is ashamed of them. No. no. But that was really well said. <laughs> um... <laughs> um I mean, maybe, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like I, I have a, um, like I have this thing that I do. I've only ever told one person in my whole life about this, but pretty much every person that I encounter in this world, um, when I see, see them on the street or in a yoga class or whatever, one of the first thoughts that goes through my head is I wonder what they're like in bed. And not because I'm attracted to them or like what it would be like to be in bed with them, but yeah. what are they like in bed? Who are they sexually? Are they confident? Are they somebody who would climb on top and like take control and say, like the idea of telling somebody what I like in the middle of sex is not something that I ever will be comfortable doing unless I'm really fucked up. Yeah. So um, like, are they, can they do that? Like I, I want, it's like this yearning to know what they're capable of. And then somehow by knowing what they're capable of, I maybe will absorb some of that confidence or comfortability or something. I don't know what it is. It feels very fucked up and pervy that like when I'm in a yoga class and I'm looking at the person in front of me and I'm thinking, what do they do when they're in that position while they're in bed? Are they in charge? Are they, you know, like what, what the fuck is the matter with me that I think about that stuff all the time when it's I like see what people. Being a man is. <laughs> yeah, yoga class. Oh, men, men think yeah, that all the time. Yeah, if you're in a yoga class thinking about somebody else, um, at least thirty percent of your brain is at all times reserved for sexual recollection. And it's not. And this is the thing: it's not bringing me pleasure. It's not like I'm fantasizing. I want to be clear about that. I'm not sitting there fantasizing. I'm. I'm kind of coveting somehow like I'm imagining that they have this power and this confidence it's the same way I feel about strippers I used to go to strip clubs a lot because I would watch these women dance powerfully and it was never sexual for me it was just like holy shit to have that confidence to be able to get up there and I am not saying that every stripper is up there on their own accord or that they don't like I don't want to don't at me but um I would I was 
fascinated by that. And I haven't been to strip clubs in years, but in my in my early 20s, I used to go and just, um, and I would go with all my guy friends and they thought it was hilarious that I'd want to tag along or whatever. And I would always end up getting into these conversations with strippers and, you know, just sort of talking about, what, you know, well, how's it going and how was your night time? I was fascinated because I just, to have that freedom and that power in their own body and their confidence and the control to get up there and do whatever they wanted to do to dance and to take their clothes off and like yes again I know there's a lot of fucked up shit that happens to women who um, then find themselves stripping and I I don't mean to take anything like that away from any of those women or men Um, but uh, I was fascinated by that I I continue to be fascinated by that Um, yeah and I that's a so now the world knows that I'm uh, (laughs) I've never really talked about this before but um that I just, I have so much shame and that also like, that I would, that I would purposefully cultivate the exact opposite of who I am, that you would, that I would want to make sure you thought that I was a confident sexual person, Mm -hmm. that I, that I um, didn't have any issues in the bedroom and that I love sex and that I'm comfortable with sex or whatever. And like, there's some truth in all of that. There are th- things I like about sex, and there are some things that I can be comfortable with, but rarely, r- only when I'm not sober, and that's never, like, I don't, I'm mostly sober these days. So, um, I don't know. I have no ending to the story. <laughs> it's not a story. It's just a secret, and now it's out. I have questions for you. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> well, first I would say is, like, what you're feeling is, is, not rare and not in a like shitty way, but in like don't think that you've said something that means that like you're the only person who is that. There are 100%. lots and lots of us that feel that way, okay. myself included. Um, that doesn't surprise me, and yet it's irrational. Like I, of course, I'm an educated person, and I've I know enough and have heard enough people talk about sexuality and sobriety and yeah. addiction and all of that stuff to know that I'm not alone in it, and yet. Deep down inside of me, it, it still feels very isolating and very, I single myself out as weird. Continue. Yeah. The second thing I want to say, and it's everybody at the table for this, is I, no matter how supportive adults are about sexuality, I think there is a point when you're a kid where you do not want adults anywhere near your sexuality. And it, it becomes really creepy and it makes sexuality really creepy. Getting my first bra. My mom was super supportive. She was just trying to help me get a bra. But it like, I didn't want an adult there. I didn't want my boobs being something. Like, I just, the same way, like, you can be very sexual as a kid Mm -hmm. with other kids. Yes. But the second an adult even says something or observes or goes, good job or whatever, it just gets it's because it's kid sexuality, not adult sexuality, and they're putting their weird yes. adult unsafeness on your very pure kid sexuality. Does anyone else agree no, with that? No, I'm, I'm stifling the amens. Uh, <laughs> no, because I think both of you have, A, what you just said, like, 
blew my mind a little bit because I came from this world where it was like, well, if my parents just like, right. you know, bought me some vibrators, maybe right. I'd be okay. Nope. Uh, <laughs> and so to hear that, like, yeah. and I obviously, like, you know, and that we're all educated people here that like, we know that everybody has issues and stigmas and neuroses about these sorts of sexuality uh, events that happen throughout our lives. Um, especially in our formative years. And so it truly is the grass is always greener on the other side where you, you think if only I had, if my parents had only done X, my parents had only let me do X or sheltered me from that thing, you would be a, a normal person and everything. And I think it's interesting because I feel like we have a spectrum here Whereas my parents were on the very conservative, yours was on the very liberal, and you two were, we're kind just of, right. Well, yeah, it's yeah, still <laughs> yeah. And, so, and we all kind of have our own kind of uh, neurosis, and I think that what you're saying, Colleen, is like 100 percent accurate. Is like has everything to do with the time in your life and who is introducing and being a part of that conversation and that exploration, because. You know, and, and at the same time, I think that there's also dangers within that because there's kids that have had different um, levels of uh, maturity and intensity within their own sexuality where if you are like, I don't want an adult to be in this sexual experience, but then there's some shitty kid that has had uh, weird sexual experiences that they shouldn't have had at that point that's teaching you about that kind of I thing I think too. the clinical part is great. Like yeah. the idea of just going like, this is how sex works. Right. Whatever, but don't talk about pleasure. Don't, as an adult, use That's... the word pleasure with your kid. Don't talk about self love. Don't like if and sex. I mean, I've told stories on this podcast before of like exploring long before I had that um, personal massager. I told the story about uh, the um, play school toy and the electric toothbrush. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that Which was, was yours. my own personal your, version of that, right? This gift became like, a, your thing that was private became a public thing for a bunch of adults to suppose about. Right. And, right. And it is private, even if it isn't. It's your thing. It's your own thing. It's especially masturbation because it's in your brain. It's what right. you're fantasizing about. So for someone to just be like, look. Yeah. Ian, you look very disturbed. Do you have thoughts? <laughs> I, you're not in my eyeline so I just turn to look at you and you do in fact look disturbed yeah. introspective how about that I think there is definitely way too much importance placed on the physical aspect of sex I think it is far more intellectual than it is physical Yeah. and that we feel guilty about the physical part we feel guilty about taking pleasure from something our body can do for us and what ultimately it is, because it can be a case-by-case basis. You can have amazing sex with somebody where you feel confident and liberated and free to be whoever you want to be. And you can take on a role. You can explore aspects of yourself that you haven't ever dared to do. And then you can be in a situation where you completely repress yourself. You don't feel comfortable with the other person. Yeah, but see, I do those things simultaneously. Everybody does. Okay. It's, it, it's, <laughs> it's like uh, some sort of binary switch going back and yeah, forth. Yeah, yeah. So it's letting go of the anxiety. There's so much anxiety and there's so much guilt and there's so much that's not talked about that you know, bringing things out. The stripper who's out there on stage, Yeah. once she does it, your pussy's out there in front of a bunch of people in the room. 
What do you just have a visceral hide? reaction to the, the club. Yeah. Dep- yeah. From your brother. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Depends on the club. What are you hiding at that point? You know what I mean? You're you're on display. You've just Well, and for them, you've taken a step the, that most people won't take. You have power yes, over everybody power in the there. room. Yeah. So but there's also different types of sex too. Like the yeah. way that you have a sex with somebody you're just dating or a one night stand or whatever, I find that like if I don't know the person, it's obviously far more performative and it's far less like emotionally satisfying, even in the moment, even sometimes physically satisfying because they don't know what you're into, your body and all these sorts of things. And so uh, I have a girlfriend who I love and we've been together for a long time and she knows my buttons to push and you know and you know that kind of but then at the same time it sex with a long-term relationship is different uh than it is with somebody you just met because that is a very loving situation but also it can be kind of restrictive uh, it can be task oriented at times Mm. where it's like this is a thing that we do on thursday nights or that's not our night we do it all the time uh no but like sex (laughs) no but it can be this thing i was like well, we just had this fight and I'm thinking about my fucking rent and everything else and she and this kind of thing and but we're having sex right now and and so sex you're saying this mental and physical thing where you jump in and out of it and you talk about your performance and your persona. Yeah. And like my persona sexually with my girlfriend is different from now than it was when we first met. And that's not necessarily because I'm a different person. That's just because my relationship with her is different. Right, of course. And I also, my parents have been together for 45 years plus. And... I heard, like, just this past year, my mother had my father on speakerphone. And he made some sort of sexual innuendo to my mother, not knowing that we were on speakerphone. And I was, and it blew my, I was like... Holy shit, my parents still have sex. Uh-huh. And it's like their version of sexuality is something completely different after right. 45 years than any of us can imagine. You know, so I think that it is truly this, you know, we talk about sexuality as being a uh, being fluid and I think that that is true throughout uh, a gender and and through everything else, but I also think it's out throughout relationships because your sexuality is fluid as you mature in relationships and also just as you mature in your own physical form, you know? So, um, as far, and I think that part of, and this is something I tell myself, uh, and I'm preaching to the choir on this level, but (laughs) when we talk about sexuality, it is something that is, uh, it's never one thing. It's never like I am this kind of sexual being. I'm a sexually ferocious. I'm a sexual animal. I'm a sexual meek or whatever. Like you, you can never put a t- tag on that because there may be something or someone that may trigger a thing on you, and and you are a different sexual person now, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's not like a Myers Briggs test. Exactly. Like, yeah. Right. So I just have two more questions. Quick questions for you. Uh, the first one was Panasonic. You... Oh. Sorry. <laughs> uh, when you were saying kind of early on about having some sexual stuff um, or shame about that, did you ever feel like, oh, people who are sexy and people who are allowed to be sexy mm-hmm. are allowed to have these feelings, but I'm not one of them? Because I, this is my no, thing. No, it's not an allowed. It's a can't. Okay. Like I'm broken in some way. Okay. Because I had definitely a like, this is what pretty girls look like, and I don't look like that. Oh, well, there's, yeah, of course, that's a whole other thing. But to me, that's, 
that even that goes beyond sex like yeah yeah and then the second thing i was thinking about with alcohol and we discussed this i think when we did sexual awakening or whatever mm-hmm. is um i definitely even though i would never wanted in my actual life scenarios and movies and stuff where the responsibility is taken away from the woman through something like alcohol mm. it it absolves you of mm-hmm. the shame mm-hmm, sure so if you're drunk it's not that you're you're more or less something it just means that like you didn't 100% make this decision and therefore if there's something wrong with it or if you do something weird it's not you mm-hmm is that something? It's the whole Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. I'm tied up. I can't. Yeah, I tied up. I can't. All that kind of controlled. Uh... Oh, is that you're saying? Is that me? No, I'm saying that idea of you were saying. I guess what you were saying about drinking and being when you were drinking or you were on drugs that you were able to do this. Did you think some of that was the absolution of responsibility? No, I don't think so. Um, I just think it was permission um or somehow an unlocking of um restrictions it's that lowering of inhibitions it's it's that i can't you make a conscious i can't do it without that lubrication for lack of a better term um i'm not able to explore or be adventurous or um any of those things without Take I guess I guess that the the drugs or the alcohol quiet that voice enough. Yeah. So, um, or that that feeling that I'm, you know, handcuffed. That those handcuffs are off. Yeah. And that I and and that isn't and I I don't mean to say that like there's a s- second persona in me or something. I don't mean it that way. No. I just um. Yeah, I just that those are things that I would just never be able to do without the lowering of that curtain by way of drugs or alcohol. Just, I mean, maybe I could. I've not tried. There are but... different facets of personalities that can't all be in the same place at the same time. Sometimes you have to find a workaround to get to it. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note... Yay! Yay! Ian always has an answer. Uh, Raymond, will you tell people uh, where they can find you? Social uh, media handle? Yes, I am... Uh, my company is called Ninja Puppet Productions. Uh, we currently have a film uh, that's being in production uh, called Joyriders. It's about a group of uh, kids from the inner city who find an alien spaceship and take it on a joyride through Atlanta. <laughs> uh, and so that's going to be coming out next year. Um, and you can find me at uh, Instagram, The Ninja Puppet, to check up on that or joywritersmovie.com. Um, and then, yeah, you can see all the wacky stuff I'm doing with the puppets and the Jim Henson Company and all kinds of shenanigans. Shenanigans! Shenanigans! Mary jo. Uh, Well, you know, you can find me on Twitter at Mary Jo LA and on Instagram at Mary Jo underscore LA and Facebook Mary Jo Smith and... We'll be at the San Francisco Sketch Fest. Yes, January in January. 10th. It's very exciting. Yeah, I can't wait to find out who our guests will be. There's going to be some good ones. I know. Yeah, I hope it'll be Bobcat Goldthwait. I'm just going to put it out there in the universe that I really want it to be Bobcat Goldthwait. All right, Ian. Uh, Ian screams mostly on Instagram. I'm currently <laughs> tracking my creative process in a song called Bomber Command about the Bomber Command in uh, World War II, the British who blew up Dresden. 
murdered a bunch of people as part of the war effort. <laughs> Sounds relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> He's had some vodka sodas. Um, uh, T Chick is T Chick McClure on all platforms, correct? Yes, T Chick McClure, who is our co producer and who takes all of the photographs of our fabulous guests, is at T Chick Photo on all platforms. There you go. There you go. Uh, and then Colleen Smith, C O L L S M I, on Twitter. C O L L S M. You're leaving out the E's. C O L E E N S M. C O L L. I've had some sparkling results. I'm the only sober one here. C O L L E E N S M I on Twitter. C O L L E E N M A R I E S M I on Instagram. So Colleen Reese, me. Yes, we will be at SS Sketch Fest. Live. Live. Buy your tickets. San Francisco. Um, and then watch uh, me and Raymond's handiwork sometime in the next year on uh, Earth to Med on Disney. Yes! Uh, yeah! yeah. yeah.